Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Everybody, it is Tuesday, December 6th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning for most of us, not all of us in the MMA community, it appears. But thank you for joining us live on the MMA Fighting Twitter space. You can hear the show shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope everyone's having a great start to the week. It is Tuesday. We are knocking on the door of... UFC 282, the final pay-per-view event for the UFC of 2022. There will hopefully, I mean, nothing's 100%, could be a draw, could be something crazy. We're scheduled to have a new light heavyweight champion crowned in the main event between Jan Blachowicz and Magomed Ankalaev. Main card is very, very solid. Should be fun. This is not as loaded as a typical December pay-per-view has been over the years for the UFC, but still, pretty solid card. And at the end of the day, look, I understand it's the holiday season. I understand we're trying to to pinch our pennies. So if you want to buy the pay-per-view, most of us in this room are going to buy it anyways. Some of you are just like, nah, I've spent a enough money this year on MMA. And if that's the case, and even if you do buy it, you can join us on the live MMA fighting UFC 282 watch party. That'll be going down Saturday. We'll go live around nine 50 and it's going to be myself GC in the studio heading to New York Saturday morning. Very excited about this and we'll do it again. And this is a big one folks. So join us. Hop in for a fight. Hop in for a couple minutes. Let's just make sure the big bosses know we got to keep these watch parties going. All right? That's what we need to do. So let's make this a big one. It's the last one of the year. So let's do this damn thing. Obviously, a lot to talk about. 
Yes, we have UFC 282. We also have Bellator 289. Pretty solid card. We have two title fights, of course. The big one for the interim bantamweight title. One half of the semifinals of the bantamweight Grand Prix. We have the champ, Rafion Stotts, defending against Danny Sabatello. This might be the biggest fight of the year for Bellator. This has been built up and built up and built up for about eight months now. And we are finally here. We are finally here. We'll see Patchy Mix, Magomed Magomedov in the other semifinal matchup. And we'll see the rematch between Liz Carmouche and Juliana Velasquez for the women's flyway title. Not a bad card on Friday. Not a bad way to spend your Friday night. That's for sure. And then Saturday, we head into UFC 282. We're coming off of UFC Orlando this past weekend. Long card. I felt like I was watching MMA for three days, but... All in all, it was pretty damn good. Main card ended up with seven fights. All of them got stopped, including the main event, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Kevin Holland. Incredible battle. Tremendous fight. Wonderboy turns back the clock, depending on who you ask. If you ask him, he didn't turn back any clock. He feels like he's 25, wanted to prove to everybody that he still had it, that age is just a number, and Wonderboy gets the job done. Kevin Holland's team stops the fight before the fifth round. Kevin Holland's hand is all banged up. I'm told he's getting an MRI sometime today. So we'll see how bad the injury is, how long he's going to be out for. Wonderboy broke his hand as well, he said, during the post-fight press conference. So we'll see how long he's going to be out. We'll see what happens with him, who he fights next. Will they give him another striker? Is it going to be Mazadal? Is it going to be Mitchell Pajeda? Lots of fun options for Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And then the big news that the ongoing story, the James Krause saga continues because we've been waiting to see how the UFC was going to react to this. We had heard Dana White react to it prior to UFC 281, kind of bullish about it, saying no proof anybody did anything wrong. And then on Friday, just when we think we're just going to stop the festivities at MMA fighting, not stop them, but, you know, just kind of cruise on into UFC Orlando. The UFC releases a statement. Hunter Campbell sends an email to basically everybody, managers, coaches, fighters, etc., that if you work with James Krause, you ain't fighting here. And not just he can't be in your corner, you can't even train at his gym if you want to fight here. And that has created... A whole bunch of controversy. What's going to happen with Brandon Moreno, who has been training at Glory MMA since prior to his interim title fight with Kai Car France? Is he still going to fight Davis and Figueredo next month? We have no idea. No one's talking. I've reached out to pretty much everybody involved. Everybody is mums the word, essentially, and which has been basically how this whole story has been. Last week, we got some stuff. We got some people to respond to some things. Uh, we saw two big provinces in Canada not just halt James Krause connected fights in terms of betting, but all UFC fights. All UFC fights. Alberta, Ontario, no UFC action. None. None. Ontario released a statement. We confirmed the Alberta news on Friday. The day just became the James Krause day after we did the preview show. But this is just a massive, massive story. 
And it's gotten me to think a lot about my role and what it is to be in this space and cover stories, especially these, because we've talked about it on the show a lot. We've had a lot of people on Twitter throwing out this narrative that, you know, the MMA media is not covering this story. And I've been kind of defensive of that stance where it comes to, we're all talking about it. We're all digging in and trying to figure out what the frig is going on here. But at the same token, like I've asked myself many times over the last week, have I done enough? Are we doing enough to do this? And for the most part, I say we are because there's a lot of people that are like, well, this guy's covering it all the time. Rehashing old articles and then just writing up other reports is not really covering it. You're talking about it and you're putting it into print. But we haven't had like a ton of new developments on this. Just everything that we kind of know to this point. Ariel and GC and New York did a great job kind of going through the timeline on the MMA Hour yesterday. I've talked to some people about this, some people who are sort of aware of the situation. Now, there's a lot of more digging that needs to be done, but man, this is just what Ariel said yesterday in regards to this is only going to get worse before it gets better. That might be the understatement of the century. I mean, this, this is bad. And this is beyond a James Crow story. It, it appears to be still, we don't have enough to report on anything, but golly, this is, this is something. This is something. So stay tuned. We are just getting the beginning of the story. There's a lot more to come and we could talk more about that. We could talk about 282. We could talk about Orlando, we could talk about whatever you want. Toke was first in line, so we'll go to him. And then Four Corner Sports was just behind him, and we'll go to him next. So, Toke, hello. Good morning. Heck of a morning, even. Um, so, I was listening to On to the Next One, and I was like, you know, this, it's so easy to match make for um, Stephen Thompson this time because he's going to be out for a while. He's going to, you know, he has to heal his hand but he has to get a big fight next because he uh, got this, like this was an epic, epic um, main event. So I was thinking, uh, okay, on, on to the next one, someone is going to bring up this matchup. And I'm listening intently, very intently, uh, and I think my ears must be clogged because no one said Conor McGregor's name. Somehow, this is the perfect time. This is the... Donald Cerrone, you know, this is the veteran that Conor McGregor should fight when he gets back. This is the striker versus striker matchup we want. This is, it, it, it completes all the goals. And even if we want to give, if we're going to say that Wonderboy needs to have some sort of way back into a title shot just uh, because we like him. This is the way. It's the way. This is the way to go both for Connor and for Wonderboy. This is the like you know Connor likes beating up on old people. It's not even. I don't know where to go. I don't see how this is not the matchup. So maybe you can enlighten me on that. And by the way, I wanna also compliment Connor because he did the Friday new uh, Friday night news dump in the wake of the James Krause thing 
with him just settling with uh, my, the Michael Chiesa in the uh, bus incident case. Like, just <laughs> this got buried completely because he timed it perfectly. So kudos to uh, Connor, first of all. And it's Wonderboy Connor. It just has to be. Connor is huge. So it's time for Connor to be yoked out of his mind, wait for six months, where Wonderboy is also going to be ready, and then we do a pay-per-view with them. Easy peasy. Have a good Tuesday. Thanks, Ben. Uh, interesting one. Obviously, Wonderboy talked about that on the MA Hour yesterday. I've seen a lot of people sort of throw that out. Yeah, but you're right. But no one, no one really threw that out on onto the next one. If they book it, I mean, it's it's a it's a great fight. I mean, it's a great fight. It's a, it's a striker's delight. I think, I think it's a fantastic fight for Wonderboy. I don't think it's a great fight for Connor. Like, I think in terms of like build and being respectful and all that stuff and kind of getting Connor in that sort of mentality. Sure. And as yoked up as Connor is right now, Wonderboy's still going to be way bigger than him. He's got to be way bigger. He's got to be like 15, 20 pounds bigger than Connor. So, I mean, I like it. I mean, we're, we're definitely not going to get a ton of wrestling in that fight. That's for sure. And Wonderboy sure as hell ain't going to say no. I think Connor will probably jump on that opportunity as well. But yeah, if they make it, I'm, I'm down for it. I just, I feel like it's, it's a tough matchup for Connor. I feel like I would pick Wonderboy to win that fight. I might, I might be insane and maybe I haven't dove into it enough, but for, for Wonderboy and probably most Connor opponents to this, at this point, and Wonderboy proved it in that Kevin Holland fight. If Connor doesn't get up, get him out of there and one, it's going to be a long night for him. Wonderboy is just going to pick hit, He's just going to piece him up and pick him apart. Um, so I don't know how much Connor will love that matchup. Connor might want to do it at 170, but I think he's, I honestly think he's going to fight another, another lightweightish kind of guy. Like even Mazadal fights at welterweight, but he's not the biggest welterweight in the world. So that would still kind of make sense. I don't love that fight. But if they did Chandler or they did Poirier again at, at 170, I think that's probably more of what Connor's looking for. Um, but who knows? We don't even know when this guy's coming back to fight. We don't know what the landscape of the sport's going to look like when he comes back. But, hey, listen, if you want to get Wonderboy to a title shot, if that's the goal of the UFC, that's a fight they're going to have to consider. And I would watch the hell out of it. I think Wonderboy actually wins that fight. I think it's a pretty good matchup for him. He has to weather a storm. Could Connor knock him out early? Sure, because Connor can knock anybody out early. But if he can't, if he can't get him out of there in the first seven minutes, it's Wonderboy's fight to lose, in my opinion. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm sure Wonderboy ain't taking that. It would, would jump on that in a second. Let's go to Four Quarter Sports. Hello, Four Quarter hey, Sports. Hey, what's going on? I see um, what's called AK Ladies in the Spaces. What's going on? Um, yeah, I don't see Wonderboy fighting Connor. I see him fighting a lightweight, whether it's Gaethje, um, Chandler, you know, one of those names. But I wanted to talk about, I'm not going to talk about the main event. I'll let somebody else in the space talk about the main event. I do believe the main event was top seven best fight of the year. I don't think that it was best fight of the year. But I wanted to talk about Sergey Pavlovich um, against Sai Tuabasi. Now, we... I felt like we didn't get enough answers. I think we 
we just we found out that he is possibly one of the scariest individuals in the heavyweight division, if not on the UFC roster. But I do think that, you know, I think he ate maybe like one clean shot from Ty, and he was able to eat it. But, man, that man just... I didn't think that fight was going to end in under a minute. And I thought that Ty would have, you know, was going to go through like a barn burner with Sergey, But it was just very one-sided. Um, when I when that fight ended, I first thought of was like... Well, one thing I know is um, I don't want him fighting Curtis Blades. I think Curtis Blades got screwed over. I think that he's going to get pushed to the back nine on this. But when he had that post-fight interview with DC, the first thing he ended up saying was um, DC didn't allow him to uh, get up during training. And the first thing I thought was, well, Curtis Blades was not going to – he's not going to allow Sergey to uh, get up if they ever fight. And one thing I have questions is, can Sergey, you know, fight all three rounds? You know, how will his cardio, you know, go in, you know, a championship fight? I mean, we saw with Cyril gone, you know, he got exhausted with five rounds, but you know, he can manage five rounds. We've seen uh, Francis Ngannou do it. Questions on John, you know, if he could do it at heavyweight and if he can hold up with his chin. But, you know, I just think that we have a little bit of questions with Sergey Pavlovich, but I wanted uh, that's just that, and also I wanted to talk about uh, T.J. Dillashaw. I saw that he retired. Um, I don't think too many people are, you know, you know, are sad that he retired. But I wanted to know, Mike, you know, what's your thoughts, you know, about T.J.'s retirement, and then also um, how differently would like us as fans and maybe even the media would look at him if he never got a pop for EPO? I mean, would he be look look more beloved as a figure? Or, I don't know. I just want to get your thoughts on that. All right. Thanks, Mike. AK, see you later. Peace. Yeah, interesting question uh, about TJ. And the answer is 100% yes. He would be looked at differently. Um, a little more beloved. I, I don't I don't think people... I think people respect the skill set. But it was just kind of the, the attitude of the man. Just... I, I Even the, the popping of everything. I think... If TJ Dillashaw just said, hey, Henry, come fight me at 135 and didn't choose to go to 125, like if he if he did it reverse, if I want to be a two-division champ, I'd rather go up to 145 and do it. I don't even know if we're having this conversation right now. Maybe we are, but we just don't know. Um, but him making the decision to drop to 125 and try to fight Cejudo down there obviously was the worst decision he's ever made because uh, it led to everything else and it led to him popping and everything. And then on top of that, the whole going into the Aljo fight with one arm didn't really help matters either, especially for those who look at it like myself and many others that thought TJ shouldn't be getting this title shot. Jose Aldo should be getting this title shot. And instead of Jose Aldo fighting for the belts as he should have been, they gave it to TJ who was injured and shouldn't have been fighting in the first place. And then they threw Jose Aldo into a fight with Marab Dewalishwili in Salt Lake City, and it was just dumb. Like, the whole thing was dumb. Everything about it was wrong, and I don't dump on the matchmakers all that often. I think, for the most part, they do a pretty good job. This is horrible. This is terrible. And hindsight is twenty twenty, but hindsight to me is like forty two twenty right now. You can see clear as day for miles and miles that this is horrible matchmaking and horrible decision-making from the matchmakers and from the UFC. And TJ, unfortunately, is going to be a 
He's going to be looked at under under a negative lens for the most part till the end of time. That's just the way that it is. I will give him credit for the way he handled everything. He didn't make any excuses. Came out and admitted it. Took it on the chin. I'll give him credit for that. But other than that, man, tough go for him. Tough go for him. But he is retired, and we'll see if he comes back, if, if he gets the shoulder repaired and it's 100% and he still has that itch. But I don't know if he does. We'll, we'll see what happens in the next year or two if, if he decides to come back. As far as Pavlich goes, dude's a monster. The big question I had with that matchmaking was, wasn't could he take a shot is could is could he hurt Ty because Ty's been hit by everybody and somehow found a way to come through and and win fights like he got he got pieced up by Cyril Gaon and still was able to go through it he got drilled by Derek Lewis who's one of the hardest hitters in the history of the UFC was able to get through come back and knock out Derek Lewis so my whole thing looking at it was can he hurt Ty Tuivasa can he hurt him and damn it, he did. First shot he landed rang Ty's bell. And I was like, oh, this is not what I expected. I thought it'd be kind of a similar fight. I picked Ty to win. Wasn't confident in it. But I felt Ty could extend the fight, survive the storm with his durability, and then land a big shot in the second. But that didn't happen here. Sergey went right after him, drilled him, hurt him badly. Every shot he threw hurt Ty. And every time Ty threw it back at him, he was nowhere near him. It was a great performance. We'll see what happens. Like, Sergey's in the mix right now. There's no doubt about it. And what's weird about Curtis Blades is if Cyril Gaon is ready to go for, like, March, April, I think Sergey's going to jump over Curtis Blades, honestly, and they would do Sergey versus Cyril Gaon. But if something happens and they can't get it, like, let's just say in Ganu in the UFC, the talks fall apart at the 11th hour, which, by the way, as I've said the last couple of weeks, all accounts, talks are going very well with Ngannou re-signing and then if an Ngannou-Jones fight March 4th. I feel if I had a bet on that fight happening March 4th, I feel pretty good about it. Um, not done yet. Nothing even offered officially. None of that. But things are heading in the right direction, that's for sure. But if something falls apart at the 11th hour, I, still, I, I think they'll go with Cyril versus John. So Cyril's, uh, not Cyril versus John, uh, Curtis Blades versus John. So Curtis is in a really weird spot right now. If I'm Curtis Blades, I'm hoping that Francis doesn't resign. Because other than that, he's going to have, he's still going to have a tough road to the title. Fair or not, I think that's the way they sort of view Curtis Blades right now. And he might just be the best damn heavyweight in the world. We don't know. We'll see if he gets these opportunities, but. It's crazy. And by the way, uh, just to talk about the main event real quick, Kevin Holland is a tough son of a bitch. Wonder Boy looked great. That fight was fun as hell. But please stop with the, oh, that was the fight of the year, or put it in the, it's not, it's not, it's not the fight of the year. It's not. I think we look at that fight and put it in that category because we didn't expect a, a fight that fun. I think we expected one of two things. We expected Wonder Boy to just have like a Jeff Neal type performance where he just picked Kevin apart, cruised to a decision. That's kind of how I thought the fight would play out. Or we're going to get a sad moment where Kevin Holland was just going to bolt Wonder Boy and knock him out. And 
get a big win. We didn't expect fireworks and back and forth and both guys getting hurt and just that crazy fight. It's not the fight of the year. It's not even in the top three. Might not even be in the top five. But it was a great fight. It was a great fight, but it wasn't the fight of the year. Come on now. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's go to Barbarusa. Sivaram's on deck. Hello, Barbarusa. Um... I have three questions. First one about the UFC uh, 283. I, um, I've seen that they didn't announce the main event yet. Uh, I don't know. Am I hoping too much? Or do you think if someone of the 282 wins flawlessly, uh, for example, I can see uh, Blahovic knocking out... Uh, Magomedov in the first round or Magomedov TKO second round clean fight and then fights uh, Glover uh, in Brazil or it's just going to be the expected one uh, and it's going to be Nunes uh, against uh, Pena. And the second take, um, why don't you think the UFC uh, aren't pushing uh, for the Shafka Trakmanov against uh, comes at because not right now I think it's going to be the greatest uh, possible fight in the division for the end of 223 or uh, beginning of 2024 20, uh, especially if Kamzat doesn't have a lot of time for uh, this division uh, the 170 or do you think it's going to be better for the AFC if someone uh, takes over the 170 for example after Hamzat wins if uh, I'm speaking if everything aligns perfectly. Do you think uh, Hamza taking the belt and then directly going up to 185? Or it's better if they fight for uh, uh, first title defense for Hamza, for example. And my last take, um, do you see the... Uh, Omar Nurmagomedov against uh, Rauni Barcelos? Um, do you see it after this fight of Omar Wing? Why don't the UFC pushes for uh, Omar versus Mirab? Because we have seen that this school has a lot of potential. He has a lot of potential. Why don't we push him against Mirab? Uh, especially since Mirab doesn't want to fight for the title, um, doesn't have an opponent since Sehodo uh, is apparently fighting for the title. And we can do the same what we did with uh, uh, with O'Malley. If he didn't win, he can build some, uh, himself up. Especially he, uh, it was hard for him to t- to have a match, and yet he, he fights for the second time or third time uh, an unranked opponent. Thank you, Mike. Uh, 
Have a nice day. Thanks, man. So Umar versus Marab if he beats Barcelos. Maybe. Doubtful, though, because I think Marab is kind of in that mix. I know. Look, when you beat Jose Aldo, it means something. I know his stock didn't rise tremendously because the fight wasn't all that great. Wasn't the kind of fight where it's just like, we got to put this dude in a number one contender fight or anything like that. So maybe, but doubtful, I would say. Marab will probably get like a Corey Sandhagen or, or somebody like that would be my guess. But who knows at this point? Shafkat Hamzat. I'm sure that it's on the UFC's radar. I'm sure it's a fight they're thinking about. But there's just so many unknowns right now. Like, what's Hamzat going to do? Is he going to fight at 185? Is he going to fight at 170? Is he going to fight Colby? Will he beat Colby? Will he win the belt? Will he not win the belt? Shafkat's real good. But we never know. Like, we don't know. Like, we do, maybe he loses. Everybody loses at some point. Maybe Hamzat loses. I don't know. But you have to think in the back of the UFC's mind, if Hamzat can, keep, can make 170 and make it consistently, that they're, good, they're looking at this fight and they're probably going to try to build up to it somehow. But 170 is just, there's just a lot of big names there. Like a lot of big names. Hamzat's a big, big name. Shavkat's not really a big name, at least not yet. I think most fans understand how good this guy is, but he's not like a star or anything uh, at, the, at the moment. So I think the UFC, it's on the UFC's mind. Like how could we get to this fight? But with Hamzat, the unknowns there, I, I think, I think it's going to take some time, unfortunately. And as far as the 283, I don't know. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with 283. Because it needs help. This card needs help. Will it be like if Jan wins quick, would they try to turn him around and fight Glover? I'm sure they'd ask him. But Jan's not the Jan's not typically a guy that just likes to bounce right back. I mean, this is kind of a chaotic stretch for him. So maybe he's like, eh, let's just embrace this chaos if he can beat. Ankoliath, I don't think he's going to beat Ankoliath. I could be wrong. I think Ankoliath's going to win. But if you're right, maybe they'll look at that. You're going to have to pay him a boatload of money for that to happen. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't think if, – if Nunes fights on this card, I don't think it's going to be Juliana Pena. I think they'll go – like Norma Dumont or something like something like that. I think, I don't think they'll go to the Pena fight. I think Pena, I, I think the UFC is going to want to see Pena beat somebody else before she gets back there. But I, I, we have no idea. We don't even know if the freaking flyweight fight's going to happen at this point with everything going on with Kraus and Moreno and all that. I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns about 283 right now. That's for damn sure. So wild stretch for the promotion, for the fans, and for the sport. Sivaram, hello. Good, how are you? Lately, I didn't join your spaces because of uh, like uh, missing you a lot. I mean, uh, so coming back to the uh, last week uh, fight night, and everybody's saying that uh, this fight should be the greatest fight and all this. Uh, I just heard what you said about the it is a good fight, but not up to the mark. Uh, my opinion towards that point is, uh, it could if we if we take the uh, best fight that happened in this year, uh, maybe uh, the number one goes to uh, Glover versus Jiri. 
and uh, the second one must be uh, uh, gilbert versus hamzat and uh, third could be uh, wonder boy versus kevin holland that's what my opinion is and uh, what do you think of uh, about that and uh, who's your pre- what's your prediction for the title fight in this in this week is it going to be the russian guy or that uh, you know former champion of the uh, lightweight heavy uh, light heavyweight champion that's it mike thanks man um i'm picking ankolaev i don't know how but i think i just think i think ankolaev's the best light heavyweight in the world i would pick ankolaev against a healthy yuri right now that's how good i think he is the problem is he's just not a draw he's not a star um and that's what makes this booking a little strange in a lot of people's eyes like no one knows who this guy is really like hardcore fans know who ankolaev is but the casual fan that you're trying to get to spend $75 has no idea who this guy is. They don't know. But I think Ankolaev's going to win. I do think he's the best 205er in the world. And I think if he wins the belt, he's going to be the champ for a little while. I think he's that good. The fight of the year conversation. I mean, Holland Wonderboy is probably in the top seven, top 10 easy. Glover Yuri is the fight of the year. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is the fight of the year. Burn Shemayev is number two. I would put... I know it was in January, but I would put Moreno Figgy three up there. I would put Poirier Chandler up there. Sarukian Gamrot is in my top five for sure. Onama Landweir is in the conversation. And then Wonderboy Holland is, is in there too. Oliver Gaethje actually, all, scratch that, Oliver Gaethje's in the mix too. I know it was only a one-round fight, but that one round was friggin' insane. Dover McKinney was crazy. I mean, there was, there was a ton of crazy fights. There are a ton of crazy fights. That one, Wonderboy Holland's great. This has been a year of really good fights. Like, there's been a lot of really fun fights this year. So narrowing them down is going to be tough, but I think the top two are clear as day for everybody. Glover Yuri, Burn Shemaev. And then the rest, you kind of just based on your own taste and how you feel about it. But but I'd say top seven, top eight. It's in the top ten. That's still a pretty damn good place to be. We'll go to Viking, then we'll go to Mikey. And then Yusuf, you're on deck. Or in the hole. Mikey's on deck. Yusuf's in the hole. A little baseball terminology. Viking, hello. I just want to tell you one thing. Just stop hanging out with Jed Mishu. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why? Um, lots of support for the Dagestani. That's why. All right. Is that it? Yeah, man. Uh, just let uh, just one more thing. Um, Hamzad is not gonna be. Hamzad is going to be undefeated till he retires. You could get Rockmanaus and Edwards. Nobody is going to beat him. Just remember this thing. And one more thing, Mike, about. Uh, 
UFC 283 is it in Brazil right so i read, yes. i read somewhere else that valentina versus santos is going to be the main event for the UFC 283 so did you hear anything about that fight and actually i was thinking about the bryce mitchell and ilya tapuria ilya tapuria fight and uh, i have question about the ground game of both of the fighters so what if bryce mitchell takes tapuria down and he couldn't hold him long enough so how do you see this fight goes for bryce a 40% on ground on ground and 60% on standing and that was a joke about jed mishu and you so that's it thank you mike hey uh valentina versus who you heard valentina versus uh, talia talia santos okay okay it's going to be the All right thanks man oh sorry uh i have not heard anything about that by the way uh i have a feeling like if they're going to announce a main event it's going to be saturday uh cuz who knows what's going to happen but the clock is ticking we have to build some excitement it's the last pay per view of the year and then you have one more event and then you're off until january 14th so you got to try to find some momentum wherever you can get it so if they're going to add a main event or add a big fight to that i think we're going to find out on saturday and by the way if they do if they do Pereira Hamzat like i'd watch the i'd watch the hell out of that fight i don't love it like i don't think it makes any sense for pereira to take that fight especially if he's banged up um but who knows maybe the ufc will go in that direction cuz that card definitely needs help especially if moreno isn't able to fight figgy on that card i don't know i honestly don't know what they're going to do i don't know what they're going to do um but we'll see what happens. I'm probably still going to have to hang out with Jed, unfortunately. I'll probably be hanging out with him virtually on Thursday on BTL. And then Mitchell Taporia, man, that fight is frigging amazing. Uh, feel how you will about Bryce Mitchell and his political choices and his beliefs. And to me, like, whatever, I don't really care. Like, think how you want to think. You are your own person. You can do whatever you want. That fight is really fascinating. To me, Bryce is going to take him down. Like, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to take him down. Will he be able to affect... Will he be effective down there? Will he be able to get any offense going down there? It's a different question. But Bryce Mitchell is going to take Elliot Taporia down in this fight. He's probably going to take him down multiple times in this fight. Because Bryce has that Colby-esque style where if he doesn't get the first takedown he's gonna go again and go again and go again and go again until he gets you down and he could do that all day long he could do that forever and Taporia can crack man and Taporia's ground game is pretty solid as well that fight is super interesting it's one that I'm gonna probably be digging into the most when it comes to like looking looking after it and and all that but if it stays standing, like I think Bryce is okay. I don't. I mean, Taporia is clearly the more seasoned striker, the more technical striker, the more dangerous striker. But go back and watch Bryce Mitchell versus Edson Barboza. Bryce was landing on the feet too. Like Bryce beat up Edson Barboza. He did his best work on the map, but he 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 hit Edson a few times. 
He was fine. He didn't get outclassed by Edson Barboza on the feet. He hung in there and did okay. So that fight is so interesting. I can't wait to see it. And right now, I have no idea how it's going to go. No clue how it's going to go. But somebody's O is going away. Let's go to Mikey Bats. Yusuf's on deck, and then we'll go to Tristan. Mikey, what's hey, up, Hey, good morning, guys. Good morning, Mikey. Hey, you coming down to Vegas here for the fight week, or, or are you already here or not? I will not be there. Right. Uh, Jose will be there. Okay. The uh, usual. I will be going to – yeah, I'm going to New York on Saturday for the watch. All right, that's what's so up. That's what's up. What's up, AK? Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to get a couple things off my chest. First of all, it's kind of funny with the James Krause thing. It's like everyone wants you, MMA media guys, to, like, write stories about stuff you don't know yet. Oh, God, it's supposed to be a bigger story. I'm like, yeah, you got to wait for it to play out first, dummies. Um, second, um, as far as the Shafkat, uh Hamzat thing, people got to let things marinate, man. Like, if you're the UFC, what you want to do, if you can avoid it all possible, you don't want them to meet each other before – a title fight and what i mean by that is like you hope one of them wins a title and then you build up to a title fight between them especially if they're undefeated if they remain undefeated you know what i mean like remember when leodo and uh rashad evans fought each other it's always it's always if you can't sell someone commercially you could always sell them based on the record be like hey these are two undefeated fighters fighting for a title um as for the car thing not to be disrespectful to one like if you're conor mcgregor's mere existence puts him in any any fight you can imagine like if somebody has a fight between 155, 170, Connor's going to be involved. You know, it's just so I just find it funny when people are like, no one's talking about Connor fighting Wonderboy. I'm like, everyone was going to talk about Wonderboy fighting one uh, Connor just for the sake of it. And two, um, man, it's as a fan, it's a it's a it's a cool thing to have it for surplus. But man, that Bellator card this fight is actually not that bad. It's got a really good looking fight, so I feel like it's getting a little bit overshadowed. But then again, you know. The running joke is Bellator never promotes anything. So, but um, but yeah, anyways, that'll be all for me this morning. Be kind to another as always. Happy birthday, okay? <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, the Bellator card is is pretty solid. Um, and on top of that, you can't really you can't really say they're not promoting this card because they've been promoting Sat Sabatello for months. So. For those like being like, oh, you got to go out there and promote and get these guys in front of people and talk to everybody. They've done that here. There's no doubt about it. They have promoted this card. They have promoted that fight. They have done every, probably everything they can. Now, how will the rest of the week look? Will they do something fun again? They're, they're coming up with different ideas. The Liver King, Paulo Costa, Pitbull liver eating contest. Friggin' brilliant. That thing was brilliant. You took a guy who's trending and you brought him in. Last card, they brought in the Dust Commander guy who apparently is still a thing and people still care about him. Whether you like him or not, they brought him in to do something with Daniel James who is the bodyguard of Twista, the rapper. They did something there. They're, they're trying. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. They're, they're trying a little harder to do different things and think outside of the box. But the card overall, solid. I can't wait to see Stott Sabatello. I came out, I came out publicly before the Grand Prix even started when they just had the wild card matches. And I predicted that Danny Sabatello was going to win the whole damn thing. And people laughed and they were like, this guy has no chance. He's going to lose in the first round. This is, if Sabatello 
if Sabatello beats Rafion Sots, he's winning the whole damn thing. Like he's winning the whole thing. I don't care. You could say how you how you feel. He's like one dimensional and stuff, and maybe there's some truth to that. But his one dimension is really, really good. Like really, really good, and can stifle you. Stotts is probably the toughest stylistic matchup for him in this entire tournament. But Sabs can beat him. Danny Sabby can 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 win this fight if he gets Stotts down. Stotts got a really tough time getting back up. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how defensively sound you are with wrestling. That guy, when he gets you down, if he's focused on just keeping you there, he will do it. He will be booed out of the building, and he does not care. And that's why I think he's, he's very live in this fight. The Kraus thing is, is crazy. Um, I get where you come. Here's the thing that's like kind of surprising to me with all of this. And it's not like the MMA, MMA media is not covering it. Could, we be, could it be covered more? Sure. But again, this is, this is just one of those stories that is just no one really knows anything. We don't know how deep it goes. There's just a lot to this. This is the craziest story I've ever been a part of. People I've talked to telling me stuff that, I mean, you can't just put it out there. You know what I mean? You have to, you got to dig in. So I'm learning a lot about myself and what it is to, to report on stories like this with this story. I'm surprised like the New York Times and, and other outlets like that aren't aren't covering this and maybe they're digging into it as well. And they're just waiting till they find something, but I'm surprised this actually hasn't gotten more mainstream. This is a, this is a huge, huge deal. And man, I I just don't know where it's going to go. I know the, the FBI is, is potentially involved in this as well. Like there's a lot to this. There's a lot to this. So we'll see what happens. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. 
Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Yusuf. a few comments uh i wanted to echo some of the the thoughts that were shared regarding the um the kraus situation i think uh you know it has it has potential honestly to be a very very devastating uh situation for the ufc um just because um you know the ufc has worked hard to to build the legitimacy of the organization and uh you know this this sort of you know it's definitely a major major hit to that um i'm in on i'm I'm in i'm on the ontario quebec border here in canada so um you know uh, ufc betting has has been officially banned as of uh i think a few days ago so uh, i know a few guys that are pretty much on on suicide watch because of that but um you know and and just uh i was thinking about it too the other day but um when it comes to tj dillashaw for example um you know he he had that injury for for many many months so his team knew about it. His family knew about it. You know, a lot of people around him knew about it. Now, so I don't want to speculate or anything like this, but clearly, I mean, there's there's some betting uh, opportunities there, uh, to, and opportunities to make a lot of money. So, you know, this retirement or whatever, you know, wh- whatever came out yesterday, you know, if, I, if I'm, I, I don't like speculating, but honestly, the timing is very suspect. And... Um, you know, and, and that's that's another case where if if there were suspicious uh, betting patterns, even around the TJ, TJ Dillashaw fight, I think that's something. Maybe that's being looked into right now, but um, it is definitely very very suspicious. But uh, I'll throw that out there. I just had a couple other comments. Um, so uh, the wonder the Wonder Boy fight obviously was you know a great fight. Um, however, I didn't like uh, some of the comments he made uh, after the fight. Um, uh, especially uh, where he where he said, yeah, like uh, you know, if you want if you want to get a good fight out of me, you know, you, you're gonna have to match me up with strikers, etc. Um, not a fan of those comments. Um, you know, I, I know Wonder Boy, you know, is a great guy. I like him as a fighter, uh, but in the past, you know, uh, he has been accused of, of point fighting, and that's you know, if you look at his you know kind of his track record in the last little while, um, you know, he's had some snoozers for sure. Um, and then, you know, Kevin Holland definitely brought the fight to him and then that's what made it so exciting. But him saying, yeah, like I just want strikers. I, I don't really like it just because, you know, number one, we're in, this is MMA. So, you know, you, you have to be, you have to be well-rounded, but two, what it does, you know, comments like that. And if there are other fighters who, you know, agree, agree with that, then what it does is it kind of like creates almost like two streams or like two camps within you know, within a division almost where you have, you know, a bunch of striker guys, you know, wanting to fight each other exclusively. And then you have the wrestlers or the grapplers who likely will be the champion. And you have some killers, you know, uh, you know, killer grapplers, et cetera, that are being totally avoided. Um, and, and so, you know, it definitely creates some issues. So I, I didn't, I don't like that comment. I mean, I feel like if you're a fighter and you're a striker predominantly, yes, you can maybe feel that way internally, but broadcasting that i don't think was it was you know was a good idea um so that's number two then my last uh, comment uh, mike was just regarding uh the 155 pound division i saw uh, rda made some comments uh just on reddit this morning where he said basically um that makachev uh should be defending against uh or his his next title defense against volkanovsky is not a real challenge 
uh, and that he should be he should be fighting a quote, a, a quote unquote real challenge. He didn't mention any names, but of course he's talking about uh, Benil Darius, I'm sure, as former teammates, etc. But um, just wanted to kind of you know get your thoughts on that. Uh, you know, I disagree personally. I think Volk is a, is an excellent fighter, and you know even with the weight uh, disparity, I think uh, you know he is he is a number one pound for pound ranked uh, fighter. So. Uh, this is a huge challenge for both both fighters, so I disagree that it's not a real challenge. However, I do agree that our Benil um, is is due, and uh, you know he's very much deserving of it. So anyway, you know I do hope that he gets the the next title shot. But uh, just wanted to get your your thoughts on that. But um, but no, thanks uh, for, for the opportunity, Mike. Thank you very much. Good good stuff right there. Um, yeah, the the Volk thing to me is just. It's more about Volk than than Makachev, and then when you have, when you throw up, the whole thing was brilliant. Like honestly, the whole thing was brilliant. Volkanovski, the timing of it all is perfect because there is no there's no guy, and there hasn't been a guy outside of Max Holloway in a long time. Like there hasn't been just like a clear cut dude at the featherweight division. Just hasn't been. So the timing of this and putting it on, planting the seeds and putting it out there was brilliant and then Makachev and Habib, getting Habib to kind of cut the promo for him about Volkanovsky and then the face up like that was the fight that's it it was all done Benil kind of stings but Benil kind of hurt himself too again I'm not saying you have to go out there and just be like hey Makachev you suck I hate you I'll kick your ass no but Benil could have just been like look man at one point you said if I win and you win, I should be the next guy. Habib's a man of his word. Are you a man of yours? If you are, then we should be fighting next. Like you can, you can get what you want without being an asshole. You can certainly do that. But what did Benil Darius do after UFC 280? Ah, I don't care. I'll fight 10 more guys. Come on, man. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't. And that's what... And I always go back to like Bilal Muhammad and stuff because Bilal is just killing it right now. And if Bilal gets to a title fight and wins the belt, you can never say that he didn't take the long, hard road to get there. But Bilal could have made that road a little bit quicker. If he wanted the Hamza fight, he could have gotten it. He could have gotten it before Gilbert, before Gilbert Burns did. But his callouts were just awful when the microphone was up. Like when he had a live mic in front of him after a big win, and you had your chance to make your move, he didn't do it. Kept calling out for fights that he wasn't going to get. Colby. He's not fighting Colby. It's not happening. Usman. Wasn't getting that fight. He was nowhere near getting that fight. When Hamza was right there. But then you go on the media circuit, and you call it Hamza after that. Like You can't do that. You have, you, you have one chance to make an impact. And if you don't make it there, you ain't going to make it. Nobody cares after that. Nobody cares. You have your shot. Everyone's going to talk about it. And he didn't do it. Even this last one. Below the performance of his career against Sean Brady. Nobody thought he was going to win that fight. No one was picking him to win. And then he almost, he almost dropped the ball completely. Went to Leon. And then he like caught himself. And still didn't say Shemaev's name. But at least he kind of called out Shemaev. Called him the wolf and all that. That opportunity on the mic is so crucial. It's so big. You got to do it there. That's when you make your impact. So no issue with the fight. I was in on it. I was, wasn't was completely in on the idea of it, but after 280, 
after that moment, Habib getting involved, the promo afterwards, Volk getting in the cage and then facing off. I was in. I was completely sold. Completely sold on it. It makes sense. My biggest question about this is, was the whole interim title fight thing. Like, why put it on the same card as this fight? And what comes to mind and what has come to mind ever since the idea of this fight is, if Volk wins and somehow beats Makachev and wins the title, why the hell would he go back down to 45? That makes no sense. Like, he'd be crazy to do that. I understand you want to be active and you want to be that dude. But all the biggest fights he can possibly get right now are at 155. There's no big fight for him at 45. There just isn't. Even if, even if, no matter who wins the interim title fight, it is not a drawing pay per view main event fight between him and Yair Rodriguez or him and Josh Emmett. But Volk fighting Poirier or Connor or Chandler or Gaethje or Oliveira. Like, those are so much bigger fights than anything he could get at 45 right now. So um, that's my biggest question. If Volk wins, will he actually go back down to 45? Because if I'm his team, I'm like, why would you go back to 45? You want to make all that money? You want to be a prize fighter? You want to be the best fighter ever? Then you stay in the toughest division in the sport and you start running off these names and put them on your resume, then no one can doubt you anymore. But it'll be interesting to see. As far as the the Dillashaw Sterling line movement and stuff and, and the timing of it all, you weren't the only person that thought that. But there wasn't any like crazy line movement in that fight. In fact, the fight opened with Sterling as a minus two twenty favorite. Dillashaw is the plus one eighty five underdog. The fight closed with Sterling as a minus one ninety favorite and Dillashaw closing at a plus one thirty. So there wasn't, like, if there was all the line movement in that fight was towards TJ. It wasn't towards Aljo. Now, if Aljo, it was, like, minus 190 on fight day, and then 90 minutes before he fights TJ, the line balloons up to Aljo minus 400, and there's props getting bet on like crazy. It's a different story, but there's no, there, it's not even remotely near the Derek Minner Shyla and Nernan Becca fight. I mean, that one you couldn't, it was just right there. You couldn't miss it. This one, all the value from a betting perspective was on TJ. Everything went towards TJ. So while there's still an issue with that, and while I have a big problem with all of that, because Jose Aldo got got screwed, in my opinion, I don't think it wasn't like anyone made any big bets on Aljamain Sterling or anything like that. The line movement, everything went towards TJ. Um from open to close and a lot of, and a lot of, um, and like a lot of sites too, like the average range of it was Sterling was down to like a minus minus one fifty. So there, most of the, most of the bets, most of the line movement all weren't went towards CJ. So I don't know, maybe there, maybe there's something to it where they're like, all right, TJ, I don't know. I don't think so, but yeah, the timing is something. I mean, I, I don't blame you for, for going in that direction, but I don't think that's the case here. Tristan, hello. Everything. Um, yeah. So uh, I listened to Adno yesterday. Um, uh, AK couldn't read out the picks because, you know, it probably had a lot going on, so I wasn't really sure. But I wanted to read my picks out 
here. So I had, so the, the picks I had was um, Roman Delize versus Andre Munez, Phil Rowe versus Carson Harris. I don't know what Carson Harris is. He hasn't fought in a while since losing to Shavkat. Eric Anders versus Dusko Todorovic, and then I have Angela Hill versus Amanda Hebas. Now the thing is, the, the thing is. I don't know if you know if the UFC is going to try to rebook that fight between Hebas and Tracy Cortez, but my other feeling might be that um, the UFC may change course and have Tracy Cortez fight uh, Aaron Blanchfield. It makes sense because if Tracy Cortez beats Blanchfield again, she moves up the rankings, and Aaron Blanchfield has the opportunity to, to get that one back, so it makes sense. And with Hill and Hebas, Angela Hill is the most active strawweight I've ever seen, she fought like three times this year and then what four times last year or something crazy like that. So she's ready to go at any time, any place. And he boss wants to get right back in it start of next year at strawway. So, and it's surprising because those two have never fought before. So I, I think that makes a whole bunch of sense. I have also um, Jonathan Pierce versus Edson Barbosa. That makes sense. Um, just looking at the UFC rankings, uh, Jonathan Pierce had just entered the featherweight in the top 15. He's ranked 15th. Uh, I think, um, I don't know, I think uh, Barbosa is ranked number 13th. And he had support his 14th in the UFC rankings. We'll see uh, the MMA global rankings next week when they come out where you guys have them. Um, then I have Francis Marshall versus William Gomez. I think it makes sense. Uh, you know, they both starting out. I think it just makes sense. We saw what Gomez did in the uh, UFC Paris card. He looked, he looked pretty good in that fight. And then I have, I think I think I had Yasmin Yurgai versus uh, the winner of Cheyenne Velismas versus Corey McKenna, but I think I think what you said, Vanessa Demopoulos, makes a lot of sense. The because the thing is with Cheyenne Velismas, I don't know where she, I don't know where her headspace is, and you know, I just I don't even Mike with Velismas, I don't even know if she's gonna is gonna talk to the media at all when that fight happens. I think she's gonna avoid the press conference. And then obviously, again, you know, we, we saw the situation that whole played out when you had a conversation with her and that whole situation. I know we, I know you don't want to bring it up or anything like that, but it's just, the listeners is unknown. I don't know where headspace is. We don't know. Cause, cause she could be pushed as a star, uh, just with, you know, cause she's, she's very interesting, but I just don't know where her headspace is right now. And I, I hope, I really hope guys oh, or anybody on Twitter, I really hope you, people don't start trolling you, Mike, because, you know, I, f I felt bad about the whole situation. And I just really hope they don't try anything or people try to bring that up. But, you know, someone's going to someone's going to try it. So I hope you just be like, I'm not I'm not going into that. And then, uh, you know, because if she does decide to talk to any other media, I just they're going to bring it up and it's just going to it could be a mess. So I, she's a question mark to me in my mind because uh, I, I, we just don't know where our headspace is right now. So uh, tell me what you think about those matchups and anything else you have to say. Thanks, Mike, and have a heck of a morning. Thanks, man. Um, I mean, I'll, I don't mind any of those picks. Um, I don't know how AK feels or any, anybody else in the global rankings panel, but JSP will not be ranked in my rankings. Um, Dude's good. He's got something, but you beating up Darren Elkins doesn't get you in the doesn't get you in the top fifteen to me. Uh, I didn't. Even, it was tough to watch. Dude's got. He's good, 
he could find his way there, but that win will not get him there. I, I could assure you of that. Um, the Velizmus thing comes up a lot. Um, most people have kind of taken my side on that. I don't even care, honestly. Uh, the interview was what it was. I stand by everything that transpired there. There are some things we probably could have done a little bit better on Jump Street. Probably should have reached out to more people before we released the first article. But I've addressed this already. Um, hopefully, it doesn't become a thing anymore. Like, I'm sure she still kind of deals with it because we had to hear from her ex-husband now in that same tone because you can't just have that story and then not get the other side. But, I mean, I stand, I stand by everything. I mean, these are – she said what she said. By definition, the headline was what it was. That's it. I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. If they bring it back up and people want to give me shit, I don't care. I don't care. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do anything wrong. I think if she could go back and do that interview again, she probably would have done it differently. Or she would have just said, no, I'm not doing it. But I'm not just, what do you say things? I'm going to follow up on them. That's just how it works. That's just how this game works. Uh, but I wish her the best. I wish her the best. She's got something. I think she's going to beat Corey McKenna. But I hopefully that's not a thing. It happened. It's over. I've addressed it. Hopefully. I just hope for her sake it's not like a big deal. Um, it's a fight night card. She's probably not going to do any pre-fight media. She's probably not going to get a media day scrum. If she wins, she'll probably have to talk to reporters afterwards. But something tells me that she probably learned a lot from that. And I've talked to like, I've talked to a lot of people that I respect um, about that. And I've talked to a lot of people who are kind of in that, in the know, if you will. And I, I think she learned from that. I, I think she'll probably just, if they ask her about it, she can go one of two ways. She can just call me out or she can just be like, nah, I don't want to talk about it. And I would guess at this point that she'll probably go the latter. But again, I, it, anyone who thought like it was malicious or anything is just absolutely not true. It's just a conversation that was had. That was kind of alarming in some ways. And I wasn't the only one who thought that way. Trust me. But for the most part, I, I, I stand by everything. Again, there were certain things we could have done better. It's more so just reaching out to the other side of the equation before we dropped the first article. But it is what it is. Hopefully she's happy now and she's going to get to fight and do – what she loves to do and she can consistently fight. And I hope that for both of them, her and JP, that they could just fight and not have to deal with anything and could just be happy, be happy with their lives. That's all I care about. F the rest of it. Let's go to Anthony. Hi, good morning, Hello, man. Anthony. Yo, I just got a quick question before I uh, offer some insight and beat this dead horse of James Cross. Uh, have you guys at like, hit up Derek Minner for an interview and, like, ask him his side and shit? Because I feel like he should be out every single day, like, trying to clear his boy's name and because he's about to ruin his boy's whole business, you know? Uh, I mean, I've I've reached out to his team for comments. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I, I just felt like fucking <clears throat> Derek Minner, like, he, he's looking like a piece of shit in my eyes for not saying anything. 
And uh, I was in the group chat when uh, he went on that ad uh, on Ariel, to be honest. It was, a, it was mostly an ad. And uh, I kind of I, – I didn't really care for the picks. I was just really liking the breakdowns and fucking talking to him about shit. And uh, there was this – he plays with some, like, super rich guy in Europe. So he was probably throwing millions on, you know, his fighters and shit and – I was thinking in my head, I'm like, y'all, no, James Krause is too good of a guy to think that. But then I heard Ray Longo say something on uh, the Anik podcast, and he said, he's like, if I had to bet, like, how many people were betting on their fighters that got injuries or, like, when some shit happened like that, he's like, he'd bet his life that he's on, that he's in the minority, you know? So that got me thinking, and I'm like, man, to be honest, yeah, it fucking makes sense, dude. Who, who I mean, dude. Think about it, man. You're a coach barely getting by. Why would you not bet against your fighter who you know who's hurt? Or, like, call someone to go make those bets for you. And uh, I don't want to just sit here and bitch and moan and beat a dead horse. But uh, I have a solution. And uh, you, there just has to be a, a super tough physical you have to pass before the fight. Because this shit just is really won't stop unless people are getting paid more and it becomes a more established state and we can't just be kicking out everybody who's good at gambling and shit there just has to be a super tough physical before every fight you have to pass and like the ufc has to decide like they they knew tj dillashaw was going in with that you know like so they have to decide some shit you know they could have stepped in and saw that line movement that line movement was going on for an hour and a half they could have stepped in somewhere and um uh said yo like this fight's not going down because uh, New York Rick told that story on uh, MMA Hour saying, like, there was that funky line movement one time, and then they went up to the fighter and said, you better, you know, like, that nothing better happen, you know. So I'm, they could have went up to Derek Minner or some shit, you know. That's all, man. Have a heck of a morning. Yeah, I mean, that was the, the medical testing and, and doing that, the at, like, adding to the rigorousness of it. You have to do that now. I mean, there's you can't not do that. You have to. And the UFC makes a floppity jillion dollars every year. They can afford to expand the medical testing or, you know, add to it in some way. But that's a big part of it. That's a big part of it. The other part is, and again, we, we've talked about this, and I don't – listen, we all want the fighters to be paid more. You know how I feel about that whole situation. There's – it's not just the UFC that deserves blame for that. I think the fighters as a whole deserve blame for where they're at right now because when the company sold for $4.2 billion, they didn't come together and say, okay, now's our time. They didn't do that, and now we're at where we're at, and they're not all going to come together and change it. It's just not going to change. It's not going to change. We would love to see them get paid more, but it's not going to change. But same token – if they at least like, if they at least just take away the structure of the win show, it was just like, hey, you take this fight. As long as you make weight, you get this. If you get a finish, you get more. Instead of like, hey, you get twelve to show and make weight, and then you get twelve to win. If you just take that aspect away, I think you'll get maybe less of this. I don't know. I don't know, but that's part of it. That's part of it. If you're like, I mean, who knows? Like maybe Derek, 
Derek Bader just needed the friggin' money. I'm not saying he like bet on anything or, or did anything other than fight, but at that same token, it's just like if you if you haven't fought, if you're not working, if you're not bringing in any income, and you have a, a fight on the books, and you're just like, I don't care, I, I need to get paid. So I get where you're coming from that aspect. But golly, the medical testing for sure has to be a thing now because it's not just the Dillashaw thing. It's not just this. It's it's others too, which means there's probably many, many more who have fought compromised or injured that shouldn't have been in there in the first place. And if we're living in a world where fighter health and fighter safety and all of that is paramount, then it should be the same before the fight too. I don't know. This story is. This story is something else. We'll go to double A and then we'll go to triple K, double K and then we got to go. Double A. Hello. Good. 282. Is it, is it the most cursed UFC card ever? That's it. All I've got. That's all I've got. Everyone have a great day. You too, Mike. You're awesome. Peace. The most cursed UFC card ever? No. Not even close. <laughs> Not even close. I mean, UFC 151 is probably the most cursed card ever, if we're being honest. It's the one that got canceled after Dan Henderson got hurt and probably shouldn't have been fighting in the first place. And then Chael Sonnen was going to be brought in on short notice. And John Jones said no, and they canceled the whole event. And the UFC basically called John Jones and Greg Jackson sport killers. That's probably the most cursed card of all time. UFC 200. Losing John Jones that week, positive drug test, all of that. That's up there. There's other examples, too, that I'll have to like dig into. But those are the first two that popped in my mind. This one... This isn't like you lost the main event. It sucks. Like I get it. We wanted to see the rematch, and now we may never see it. But it's not. It's not a bad card. The main event is not. It's not great, name value wise. But the rest of the main card: Patty Pimblett, Jared Gordon, Darren Till, Drinkus Duplessis, Bryce Mitchell, Ilya Taporia. We we were supposed to get Ponzinibbio. Robbie Lawler, but now we're getting Ponzinibbio, Alex Morono. There's good fights on. I mean, there's Chris Curtis, Joaquin Buckley is a freaking banger. Raul Roses Jr. is making his debut. I know we lost Bo Nickel too, but this is a fine card. It's just, it's it, this is a different pay-per-view. Like normally we're like, oh, the main event's great, but the rest of the card sucks. This one, it's like the main event's not all that thrilling on paper, could end up being a great fight, but the rest of the card, especially the main card, is very solid. So, no, it's definitely not the most cursed card. Let's go to cryptocurrency. Hello, Double K. Good. Yeah, so, Mike, uh, unfortunately, I dropped in a bit late to the show, but I still want to ask about this because... I was quite surprised. I don't know if you've seen the uh, UFC show, uh, yeah, where they, I, I forgot the name of it, but where they basically promote the, uh, 
the upcoming card. This was the first time, Mike, where they actually had Heather talking about the impingement injury of Ankalaev, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, what a shocker, right? After all the things that have happened, suddenly during uh, these, these YouTube videos, you see, uh, in essence, uh, Ankalaev being treated for this impingement injury. So my question actually, Mike, is, um, because I have brought this up several times and I talked to people about this, what happens inside the Performance Institute? Do you think that that should be classified as non-public information that cannot be acted upon? Or if things uh, are happening inside the Institute and there's a bunch of people there and so on, is that considered as public info? And the reason why I'm asking is because much of this is still available online. Basically, uh, certain groups and people talking about what is happening inside the PI, uh, just literally commenting on training sessions, on what's going on, and so on. And this, this, is, this evidence is still up, for, for example, for, for our good old friend, James, uh, because he hasn't deleted his podcast. There's, there's archives of this. Where he literally says what he has seen inside the PI and gives his takes on, on fights. So my, my question is, first of all, do you think it's a coincidence that Heather was, was a part uh, of, of the show promoting this, uh, this event? Secondly, do you think that what's happening inside the PI should be considered as, as uh, non-public information? Thank you, Mike. Uh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I don't know how that works. I assume there's waivers that are signs that say like what we, what you do there could be filmed or could be used for something. I, I don't honestly I have no clue. I have no idea what that looks like. There's some, maybe something to that though. There's maybe something to that. Maybe Jed, somebody we can ask about that. That's an interesting question, though. Not surprised that it's on there. Um, I think the way the UFC would probably present it is that no one's 100%. Everyone's dealing with aches and pains. Everyone's dealing with this, dealing with that. But we have the, the best team in the world to get these fighters where they need to be. And I've never heard, I've never heard anyone that I've talked to since the PI Open that has had any sort of even half negative thing to say about it. Everybody freaking loves it. And most fighters, even like some of the East coast fighters are like, I wish I could just live in Vegas so I could have access to that place 24 seven. I mean, apparently it's just, it's such a big benefit to the fighters. So I don't know. I don't know. But after this, perhaps maybe they add some, some different, amendments to the ruling in some way where it's like you can't you can't disclose what goes on here if you're not part of the staff or if unless like we approve it or something i don't know there's probably like different verbiage you could throw in there to to make it better but yeah i don't know that's a really good question i wish i had a better answer for you but i don't have not a big lawyer but I like where your head's at. I like that question. All right, four on sniper. Take us home because I got to go. Are you there? Four on sniper.
All right. We tried. We tried. All right. We are done. Um, the James Krause story, not done. I can tell you that. So stay tuned to MAFighting.com for whatever breaks or whatever comes out of this. Um, there's a lot to this. I think there's going to be a lot more coming. I don't know what it's going to be or when it's going to happen, but uh, I think we're just scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface, but that's it. So I'm off the rest of the day. I'm very excited. I'm going to go hit some golf balls, do a little Christmas shopping. And then uh, we are full-fledged. Tomorrow's going to be a very busy day. Of course, we got the MA hour. We got the UFC 282 Media Day. Jose will be there for that. Thursday, we'll have a press conference. We'll have this show. We'll have BTL. be a very busy day. Friday, AK will be very happy because he'll be hosting the UFC 282 weigh-in show. We'll be live, getting you ready for that. We'll probably do this show before that. We'll have a preview show. Lots going on on Friday. And then I'm... I'm on a plane first thing Saturday morning for the event. UFC 282 watch party going down. We'll have all your coverage, mafighting.com for UFC 282. It's going to be a very busy week. Bellator on Friday, too. We'll have you covered there as well. So strap in, everybody. This is going to be a very, very busy week in the world of mixed martial arts. And we will be at the forefront for all of you. So thank you very much. We'll see you back here on Thursday. Have a heck of a morning, everybody. Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.